Well, as you know, there are many metaphors in Scripture for the Christian life. Uh, there's, all, there's all sorts of them, and I think that among his final words, when Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he, I think he brings together the two most prevalent. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And so I think in that sentence, and there among Paul's last written words, he tells us, or he sort of summarizes the Christian life as a war and as a race. And it's important to remember as you're reading the New Testament that every time the Christian life is mentioned of as a war or as some sort of a conflict or as an athletic competition, that the competition or the adversary is not your brother and sister to your left and your right. You're not competing with other Christians for a prize. No, you're running a race against the world, the flesh, and the devil. All the things that would work and try to overwhelm you and keep you from the prize. And so, we have an adversary, we have a competition, and we're running a race. We're fighting a war. And we've just read of a myriad examples of people who have gone before, who renounced everything to run the race unencumbered that God had set before them. Now, every war, every race, has various phases or stages. In a race, you might say there are different legs of the race. And how you run or how you fight or how you engage in whatever activity it is depends upon the thing, the stage you're in. So for example, take NASCAR. What the drivers do when they're on a straightaway is different than when they're entering a turn. You handle the vehicle differently when you're about to leave the turn. Okay? So you have to figure out your situation, you have to figure out your context, and you have to do things a little differently. We, at Grace Covenant, are about to enter a new phase. We are, to use literary terms, coming to the conclusion of one chapter, and we're about to move on to another one. This is the final Lord's Day service that we have in this building. I think back, as I've heard from many of you, of how worship services have gone on since even before this building was purchased. This building was purchased in 2004. And for those of you who don't know, this church became a particular church in 2003. And they'd rented space here during that time. So pretty much from the beginning, this place has been the canvas or the matrix in which the story of Grace Covenant Church has been written. And so for many of us, some of us I should say, we may be thinking, oh, this is just a building and we're leaving it and there's no emotional connection at all. It's just a place and we're going to go to another building. But for some here, this has been the story of the last 13 years of their life. And there's tons of memories. And I think about how God has been faithful through all these years. Think of the relationships. Think of the gospel that has been proclaimed. Think of the missionaries that have been sent out. Think of the people that have come and gone, that have been dispersed around the globe, and they found their home here 
And they're now preaching the gospel, living the gospel wherever they are. And so leaving these uncomfortable chairs may be a little harder for some than for others. But we are moving. And I think that as we move, it is opportune for us to say, we know how we've run in our stretch up to here. How are we going to run the race in the next stretch? How are we going to perform, or what are we going to need to do differently to run faithfully the next stretch that God has opened up before us? I remember that when I first joined the army as a chaplain, I went to Fort Bragg. And I, so while you're at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, as part of the 82nd Airborne Division, you pick up certain, you know, traits and behaviors and you, you, and mannerisms, you know, you get a high and tight. You you don't show up at Fort Bragg without a high and tight, right? And I mean, you got to keep your uniform crisp. I mean, there's certain things you do and there's a certain way of conducting yourself. So then I left Fort Bragg and moved to Fort Riley, Kansas to be a part of an aviation unit. And I rapidly learned that my quick paratrooper way of doing things wasn't going to fly with these flyboys who wanted to think of themselves as cool. So think Top Gun and, you know, think Tom Cruise, you know, with the cool, you know, flight jacket and, you know, the sunglasses and the motorcycle. That's all these guys. A world of difference. So I had to do things differently. And then I went from there to a hospital in D.C. where it was all... I had to stop referring to the restrooms as restrooms. I had to... I called them latrines. And they're they're, they're bathrooms. I was like, is this the military still? It was like... like, And I had to grow my hair out. It was... I had to learn how to act in a different place. And when I didn't do those things, it actually encumbered me. When I still wanted to operate like I was back on Fort Bragg, it actually hindered my effectiveness when I was at Fort Riley. There's a way of doing things that we perhaps got comfortable with here, but now that God is calling us to a new chapter, what might he be calling us to change? We're moving, and we moved a lot of stuff this week. It was an awesome blast to see how many people showed up on Wednesday to help us get the new building ready, and, and then, to, I mean, spread, even spreading, uh, spreading pine straw. And, and yesterday, uh, the teens were busy putting together the new TVs on the stands as, as we were moving. I mean, just so much stuff. And I was reminded of how we've moved a lot in our family, Okay. And I'm reminded of how when we started out, we could move pretty easily. And we didn't have anything. I mean, moving took a couple hours and a, and a pickup truck, right? But then over time, we had to get a U-Haul, and then we had to get a team of people. And now it you know, takes the government you know, a, a, an official contract. And the, the more stuff you accumulate, the more cumbersome moving is. And that's kind of analogous to what we talk about in this verse when he says, throw off every weight that encumbers. People who compete in an athletic competition 
wear as, as little as decency allows. You might be fine wearing a sweatsuit as you're warming up and everything, but once it's time to hit the track, the sweatshirt, the sweatpants come off, and they're down to lightweight clothing. Have you ever actually held track shoes? They're super light. And, and when you're really at the high levels, I mean, I can't imagine being at such a high level where, where even just milli-ounces affect the outcome. And, you know, swimmers, I was never a swimmer. I didn't want to be a swimmer because they shave their arms and legs. And I'm a hairy guy. I mean, that, that ain't going to happen. But I'm like, the drag caused by, I mean, I can't imagine being so fast that the drag from my arm hair is going to make me lose the race. But here, the writer of the book of Hebrews is calling people to consider that when they're in a race, it's time to throw off everything that might hinder success. And so I'm busy thinking about how we move and, you know, we oftentimes keep this stuff in storage and it it kind of makes it hard for us to move because we have to deal with it. And so it makes us go slower, take longer. And then I started thinking about how it's not just the physical stuff. As we run a race, we're called here to throw off everything that encumbers us and the sin that so easily entangles us. So there's the sin that entangles us, and, and we know that's, that's the sin that entangles us is bad. We know that. It's called sin, and we know sin is bad. We know we shouldn't do it, and we oftentimes still want to love it anyway. But the things we overlook are the things that encumber us, the weight that slows us down. Those aren't necessarily sinful things. Did you know that? There is so much in life that is not sinful or bad in itself, but it can become something that weighs us down. For example, there are a great many people who probably, in all honesty, are called to the mission field, but their desire for security and safety and a certain level of... of, uh, Comfort gets in the way, and it slows them down. That's just one thing. It's not wrong to want comfort, but sometimes things that are good can, in fact, slow us down if we let them. And so as we leave this building, as we sort of look through our stuff, as we prepare to enter a new chapter, I think it might be time for us to look at ourselves individually and corporately and ask ourselves, what weight are we carrying that, quite frankly, we, our family, and even our church would be better served if we just discarded? We've been holding on to it long enough. I'm reading Hebrews 11 And I'm stunned by the fact that it talks about some of them having conquered kingdoms. Some of them having shut the mouths of lions and put armies to flight. Yay, they were victorious in Jesus, right? But what does it also say about some of them? Something about being sawn in two? I'll pass on that. The life of faith, all right, is not a life of successes after successes after successes. 
There are ups and downs. The life of faith is going to take you to a place where you may have a victory today and a defeat tomorrow. But we're called to get over each of them and to keep pressing on. You know, Abraham was promised a city. He was promised an inheritance. He went to Egypt, which was probably the biggest city, biggest place in the world at the time. So when he left Egypt, he never again saw a nice place like that. He died looking for a heavenly one. Now, as I'm thinking about that, that's what it meant for him to let go of the things that hindered him, his ideas of what constituted success. I'm sitting here thinking about what are some of the things that may be weighing us down. It's very easy to be weighed down by past victories. It can be very easy to be living in the past so much that you keep trying to recreate the past and the present or the glories of the olden days forever sort of jade you to enjoying the beauties of the present. Man, I remember, I was so angry when my dad retired from the military in 92. I lived in Ger- we lived in Germany, and that was fun. But the thing about it that was fun was I was a freshman in high school playing varsity football. And I had great friends. I belonged to an awesome youth group. We had a fantastic house. It was like the, the absolute sweet spot of my life to that point. And then he retires and moves to Des Moines, Iowa. And I'm surrounded by people who their idea of a good time was hanging out at McDonald's throwing french fries at each other. I, was, I hated it. And I was miserable. And you know what? I kept looking over my shoulder, missing Germany so bad, that I ruined my opportunity to have enjoyed my high school years in Iowa. There are some of you who perhaps are looking back at what was. And you may just hate the present because it's not what was. The past is proving to be an anchor. It is time to let it go. It's only going to keep dragging you down and keeping you from running effectively. Another thing that holds us down are those grievances we have. Those times when someone has offended us and they never apologized. And I'm going to hold on to that because they wronged me. They didn't say sorry. They haven't acknowledged my contribution. They, don't, they keep resisting my attempts to do the right thing. Whatever it is. They looked at me cross-eyed. We hold on to grievances. Nearly 1,500 marriage counseling sessions tells me that we hold on to petty things that become in our eyes awesomely big things. And they hold us back. And you know what? The bad news about real life is most of the time people aren't going to apologize to you. It stinks, but it's true. And so you can go around in life moaning and groaning that no one's apologizing, or you can do what we're called to do. And that is not dismiss it as unimportant, but recognize that you may not and probably will not receive justice in this life. You have to put 
your vindication in the hands of a perfectly just God who will not let any of your drops of blood or your sweat or your tears be spilled in vain. When a Christian turns the other cheek, we're not saying what you did to me doesn't matter. We're saying that I desperately want you to be right with God because the day is coming when if you are not, you will wreak an eternity in hell for that offense. How many of us are holding on to grievances? And it holds us back. How many of us hold on to our injust- the injustices that have been inflicted against us? How many? We've got to let it go. Don't be defined by what happened to you. Give it to God. How many of us stir up conflict or keep conflict alive because we want our way? And so we want to take, I don't know, in the local church it oftentimes takes the shape of, of, of claiming ownership of some section or segment. And no one is allowed to speak into this except for me. And you get a church of this. And it's like cells that are bouncing off of each other instead of joining. All this stuff weighs us down. And brothers and sisters, as we are preparing to move to a new building, I think the opportunity is right for us to say, you know what? I need to be like one of these prophets who was sawn in two. I need to lay it down and trust God to be with me, to be everything I need. But Ben, how do I do that? You've only been here a year. You, you weren't here these last three, four years, and you don't know what they said or what they did. Look at verse 2. Look to Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured. All right, you want me to tell you how you can have the strength to lay it down? Look to the joy that's been set before you. Jesus isn't the only one before whom joy has been set. You have been promised an eternity of glory. You will see God as he is. You will be like God. You will reign on earth with Christ. Christ Himself will be yours for eternity. That's great joy set before you. Run to it. Run to Him. Run, run, run. Don't let your grievances slow you down. Drop it. So, what I want to do now He's asked the deacons to come forward. I sent an epistle out this week, and here it is. What we're going to do after this service is we're going to give each of you an opportunity to sort of symbolically, uh, if there's anything that you really need to let go of as we enter this new chapter. Go ahead. They're going to pass around pencils and pieces of paper. And between now and, say, the, the middle end of the covered dish, I want you to talk with God. 
And maybe for some of you, it's, it's right on, you know, in your mind, you know what it is. This is the thing that I've been holding on to, and I have to let it go. It's weighing me down. It has been like blockage in my intestines. And I need to get it out to be healthy. Write it down. And what we're going to do after the service is you're going to have an opportunity to just put it in a trash bin that one of the deacons will hold, and then we are going to burn it. We're going to have a fire lit that will be supervised. And we're going to burn it. And what I want us to do is see this as us figuratively, symbolically, giving over to God the things or the thing that has been acting as an anchor on our faith, on our lives. Brothers and sisters, God has given us an awesome, awesome opportunity to move into a new facility and get sort of a new chapter going. It is my hope and it's my prayer that you too will think about what weight may be slowing you down and that you will discard it and that you will run into this next chapter with enthusiasm and a degree of lightness that you may not have felt in years. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you that you desire us to be unencumbered by weights. Thank you that you have set a tremendous joy before us. And you have surrounded us with a great cloud of witnesses that testify that it can be done. We ask that you would give us your grace to see what we need to discard. That we can run faithfully, energetically, eagerly into the next chapter. We thank you for giving it to us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.